I bet you think you're pretty smart, huh? Think you can outsmart a bullet? What do you say we find out, huh? I'm talking to you, what do you say? Huh? Huh? I'm talking to you! Drop it! Dead or alive, you are coming with me. I know you. You're dead. We killed you! We killed you! We killed you! podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week, and especially this year, we are discussing what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And, and guys, he was here a minute ago, but he did say he had to go catch the newest episode of TJ Laser on the old DVR. Uh, I'm not caught up this season yet, so hopefully he doesn't spoil it for me. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you, listeners, back into our big series for the year, What Scares Us slash What Saves Us, a series defined by you. You have been submitting your stories of films and media that instilled or stoked a certain fearful imagining in you, and we are covering them on the show right here. But I'm getting ahead of myself, as I tend to do, because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube, and you can browse The Fear of God, wherein it should be continually noted. We are posting afterthoughts blog posts at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Some really good content uh, for your spirit, for your eyes, for your souls, for Alias, where you will find other things on there, such as read, read, <laughs> hey, uh, buddy. Afterthoughts. I I read afterthoughts. They're they're great. <laughs> yeah? You yes. this the whole episode? Most of it. Maybe. <laughs> most of it. I'm having trouble. Controlling the volume of my voice. My um my tone. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I can't really? promise I won't slip into it from time to time. Hey, really? Nene. You know what I love you know what I love? Last week. Yep. 
we covered never ending story which trying to wrestle down the never ending oh story is like, is like holding like a oil in your hands yeah that's yeah. A, that's i was thinking that's, like an amoeba but amoebas are microscopic so not really that but like uh holding you know, holding paramecium holding, in your hands uh, and you're like like a yeah a thing that can't be held well or easily <laughs> it's <laughs> like a your words how on this, earth could moment. you wrestle that down it, it never it's, ends so oh my gosh it's, it's endlessly thematic here's what's the thing is like i think before our conversation last week i would thank you dave courtney yes thank you so much again dave both for suggesting it and for participating in it but like i think before last week i would have probably reconciled that to like oh yeah i love that movie that that movie's fantastic and that would have probably been the end of it and it's funny i felt but it so no it doesn't but it felt so um big in the in the conversation just some of the ideas and thoughts and concepts that it sparks in it's it, to be honest, was a bit intimidating by the end of it. So I was oh, sure. like, "Wow, absolutely!" Yeah, well, yeah. you're you're making my point for me, which is last week we tried to we tried to uh, apply a, a barrier to the the never ending, uh, <laughs> the 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 endlessly storied, and yet juxtapose that with this week, which is about as direct as you can get. <laughs> I mean, it's like like okay, what's the never ending story about? Okay, well. There's this nothing that's coming. So is it there? Is there, is there something there? No, no, it's wow. nothing. Like it's a nothing, but it's attacking this fantasy realm. Like, okay, the fantasy realm. Okay. So it's not in the real world. Well, it actually kind of ties the real, like you can go on and on now. Okay. Like this week, it's like, okay. Um, yeah, what are you talking about? Ro- Robocop. And then and someone's like, well, what is that about? And then you just stare at him blankly, like, huh? <laughs> Drop it. <laughs> That's yeah. You just stare at them blankly and just be like, yeah, yeah. Um, let me try this again. RoboCop, right? And they're like, are they still puzzled by? Did you just freeze? No. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> when I quit, I'm telling you. When you once did. I, once you I did. realized what you were going for, I was like, okay, then I'll go for it. Well, I was like, why is he frozen? We've got the right <laughs> technology going on here. But man, he's just staring blankly at me. But you're, but my point is simply there's no ambiguity no. here. No, no. It's, like, it's just, well. So like, yes. well, sir, what is, sir, who just told me the movie you're talking about called RoboCop? What is that about? Oh, well, and the tag. Well, it's about a, a robot policeman. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Or as the tagline, as the unfortunate tagline of the film said, he's part man, part machine, all cop. That is a really... Well, what would be amazing is if you add one letter to that tagline, it's like part man, part machine, mall cop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Blart, to the, RoboCop. To the typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> Alex it's Robocop, Murphy, but a comic. Mall cop. <laughs> You're Mur- dead. Whoa, it was just <laughs> a petty shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> you have 20 seconds to comply. I give it back. I gave it to you. are holding it right now. You have 20 Three, seconds. Three, two, one. <laughs> You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> Listeners don't know how when we were ramping up to this movie, you were you were perpetually like, "Oh yeah, I've seen that movie." He's like, "You're dead." You're dead. He never says that. (laughs) He never says it once in the movie. It's never there. It's in there. It's in there. It's it's subtext. I must have seen a deleted scene and says that. You know, way deleted. Like not even in the script. Yeah. Yeah. You're dead. (laughs) 
So today we're <laughs> today we're talking about RoboCop, but but before we get to that, Riri, you oh what? Is it- Come on, man, rein me in a little bit. <laughs> um, so now we need to do because we're not doing watches. We're not, but we do need some business. Now. No business. Any business? A little bit, a little bit of business. Yes. A little bit of business. A little bit of business. Um, actually, the only business I have to offer is the usual that we, you know, encourage everybody to visit the website, visit the blog, visit the whoa, Facebook whoa, 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 whoa. group. Visit pause the, there. Slow down. Pause. Slow your roll. Slow down. So, Rain, something, you in. Something we haven't been pitching too hard lately, but mm-hmm. it's happening. What, it's Afterthoughts, what, man. After, what a great. Afterthoughts, yes. What a what a brilliant sort of thing for people and to it's, go and, do. And what's great is that, like, sometimes the afterthoughts are going to be, you know, uh, somewhat thought provoking and and perhaps a bit spiritually reflective as like Asia's was when she when she inaugurated the the series. Um, sometimes it's going to be like you know recontextualizing the work of a director and purely sort of like just a a, a for, sort of a more critical mindset if that's the kind of thing you're into. So you never know what it's going to turn up as yeah. in the afterthoughts. Sometimes it's going to be us. Sometimes it's going to be members of yeah. the broader Fog community. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's really cool. So yeah, after I every ep- uh, a Friday. Friday after an episode release, check out Friday the website. Saturday ish. Friday, Saturday. The week. <laughs> Sometime the weekend after the episode airs, before the, the next one happens. <laughs> then, then yes, go to the. Go it's more to like the, between thoughts. Yeah, you know? go to the blog at thefearofgodpodcast.com and check out Afterthoughts. You can only find them there, and they're great. Yeah. So afterthoughts, it is. Uh, write a review or don't, you know. Um, <laughs> what a what a pitch! <laughs> come join the Facebook group. I mean, at this point, you know. <laughs> just why bother with a review? <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop asking, and they're just going to multiply. Um, <laughs> but the last uh, uh, business time is going to pivot us directly into our little segment here because we're in the middle of a. Middle of a TV guide post, Riri. It's a little bit of a TV guide post. That's right. A little better. So we are. How many episodes of this? This is eight. This is eight. Well, wait, wait, wait. I mean, before we get there, come on, like, come on. I know it. What? I, I know it's been a while, but. <coughs> oh, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I forgot. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again to visit TV guide posts. This time around, we're going to a land which. Must admit, I've tried five times to find out the name of, and can't can't seem to locate the name of this land, uh, or of some of the central characters in it. But we're going to The Witcher, a Netflix original series based on a series of best-selling books, and uh, starring Superman. And subsequent video game. And and its subsequent video game. Yes. Uh, don't know what that voice was, but we'll just go ahead and and keep going with it. But uh, I'm Blevican. And so, uh, oh my gosh, I don't. <laughs> I'm feeling very confused by by all of this, but we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that uh, that we're entering back into TV guideposts. So uh, join us for the first two episodes of The Witcher. Thanks. TV oh, that was that was in the spirit of the show. I just the, got eviscerated. You, you know, sure did. Like, yeah, but it's right when Superman the Barbarian. You know, he got his yeah. taste for blood and Zod, so he's just gonna like go for it, and he's just gonna yeah. you know like and he's like. You're dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every two minutes. And then I told them, you're dead. You're dead. There's going to be a movie one time that we cover, and that's like the tagline. <laughs> that's going to be in it, actually. And man, I'm going to run wild with that. <laughs> it's so funny. So, okay. 
I was, this was maybe four years ago now at this point. I was at a work oh, conference. story time. Yeah, okay. story time. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. So um, about four years ago, I was at a, maybe maybe five now, but I was at a work conference and it was one of those places where a lot of people, I was I was new to leadership at my job. I had just been promoted to supervisor and there was this workshop that they wanted to do for both longstanding leaders and uh, a few people who had just entered in to get together and have, uh, you know, basically a conference about leadership skills, studying personality types, um, navigating different situations and everything, just to, just a kind of a four day long training. And one the only context whatsoever that I had for The Witcher in any degree, is the person in my group uh, at in one of like the last sections? He was from Poland, and he loved The Witcher. Loved like it was his favorite series of books, um, and he loved playing the video game. It was uh, just like his thing. That was he was just captivated by the world, um, and he talked a lot about it. Again, that was like four or five years ago, and that was long before the Netflix series, you know, was maybe they were talking about it or developing it or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I, that was my only context for this at all. I hadn't played the video game. I hadn't read any of the books. Um, so I knew nothing going into this, um, except, you know, fantasy type, uh, world. And then also we should mention that, this specific section of what scares us was recommended to us by listener Jacob Sane. Um, we are not going to be playing his contribution because we'll save that for the actual like thematic conversation about The Witcher. Um, but uh, but in TV guidepost fashion, we're just going to talk about the first couple of episodes here. But yeah, I didn't I didn't know much. Did you know? Did you have any knowledge other than just like, hey, a game exists, books exist about this, or or did you know a little bit more going into it, or had you heard more? Well, um, I. Must admit, I am well versed in the lore of the Nifgardians, and um, you know, Sun no, I, I really didn't. So, um, Nifgardians, I, I Leviosa. Act- Sorry, wow, Leviosa, Leviosa. Um, I did not know it was a book series. All I oh, knew was okay. video games, mm-hmm. and so, I, so no, I knew nothing about the world of it. I knew nothing about any of it. Mm. I've watched two episodes now, and I'm not sure I know much more than I did before <laughs> I started. <laughs> I tell you, man, the tell me it does not try very hard. Um, it presumes that if you are watching it, you are either bought in for the homework, or you have already, already done the homework. Done the homework. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That that uh, either that you're going to you know because in other words it does not try very hard to make these characters or even its structure accessible. Like it took me a little bit of like extracurricular homework to figure out that they were jumping around in time. Like that took me a little bit. That was not immediately apparent to me. I realized like by the second one that I was like, okay, wait a second. I think. I think these are at different like places. Are these just interconnected little uh, sequential stories? But like literally, the the first episode is split up to something to two stories: the the Henry Cavill adventure and the young girl adventure, and they're happening thirty uh-huh. years apart from each other. They're not concurrent. And is that clear in the episode? I, I found it out extracurricularly, so maybe it's not clear. Does that become clear in the second episode? I don't think so. Here's the thing, Reed. I'm a little <laughs> worried. I was on like a mushroom trip or something. Oh my god! Watching gosh. these two episodes, okay, yeah. Because 
I don't know anything that happened. And, and he's like, I saw some sword fighting. I saw one time somebody sang a song, and then yeah, there was some magic that, that perked me up. I was like, oh, little, <laughs> a little ditty, <laughs> little little ditty. Um, about Jack and Diane. Um, wow, wow. Uh, I I did not. Okay, so I will be kind and generous here. I am choosing generosity because I am recognizing I'm coming in with nothing. Mm. And mm. once <clears throat> now I'm not there yet, but after the two episodes, I was like, man, WTF. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I don't I know can't, what to do. I can't make heads or tails of this. Mm. Uh, mm. I don't know what anybody is saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was. I can't tell when they're, if yes. they're speaking Elvish or if they're dropping actual over, names. It was overwhelming. And then I started doing a little reading, just try mm, to mm. get some footing. It is funny. You know, I will often report on the show how, you know, let's take um, Under the Shadow or whatever. Movies I haven't seen, I will just jump in. Yeah. Feet first. No real care. Just I'll find my bearings. <laughs> Sometimes that's a bad choice because <laughs> I couldn't find my bearings. I mean, I was just drowning in jargon and foreign names. I mean, in the first episode, there's a scene where Henry Cavill's in some Scarlet Witch hex world with this wizard guy. And Reed, if you'd been playing a drinking game with the number of words they say that are non-familiar words, you'd have been laid out. <laughs> after that scene i told my wife i was like this must have been what it was like for people who had no tolkien knowledge mm. and started fellowship 20 years ago they're like <laughs> what <laughs> is this so that i am being jokey right now also saying i am buckling up mm. i'm gonna try to do i'm gonna try to do my homework right now two episodes in i'm like <laughs> Huh? I don't know, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and it's Snyder, Snyder what? <laughs> uh, let's go watch that. Um, <laughs> wow. But I am choosing generosity because I want, uh, you know, like I like Cavill a lot. Um, I think it's got the earmarks of stuff I would enjoy. It was just, yeah, a, it was head spinning. I'll He's, be real frank. So I, I can, I can appreciate that in many ways. I, so one thing that I, I'm presuming you didn't do that I think helped me a lot. You've teased me for this before but i have a tendency to watch movies with subtitles regardless of whether subtitles are needed oh i i started to turn them oh, on okay because yeah, i'm like yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't come on man okay. i tease you when it's like doesn't make any sense why you would do that oh it makes absolute sense <laughs> why you would do that here and yes i got to a point i'm like huh <laughs> 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 what 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 i don't know what you're saying why are you talking superman about, are you talking about this? You're like speaking kryptonian <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I did turn Kikamora. them on at a certain point. Mainly because I'm like, what? it was the word Blevican. I'm like, what are they? What is that? What are you saying? <laughs> town. Yeah. I know that now, but like in the moment, I'm like. <laughs> you just yeah. hear somebody anyway. saying, leave Blevican with your Kikamora before I. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Siri and Cerebdus and. Sogab you know, Segabor. Skilla. Segabor. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was the word. I was like, huh? Sega. <laughs> Say goodbye. Sega. Sega. Sega what? Oh my gosh. Well, and so the the Sega board. What's interesting? That's like 
That's like Exegol in Rise of Skywalker. It just like <laughs> gets caught in your throat. <laughs> Segaball. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so, no, I love you, Jacob. <laughs> well, and and I'm really so I'm very curious to see where the show goes because yeah, for sure, like for instance, um, I remember thinking having this feeling, and for those who have not watched Westworld, like um, anytime that a that a story plays around with time, you know, post. 2006 uh, or 2004 or whenever uh they're gonna say oh well it's it, it's akin to lost or it's kind of comparable to lost in some ways and um whereas like westworld did you ever watch any of westworld the hbo oh. series so it though it didn't reveal it until like maybe late in the first season if at all is telling you storylines and they're all set in the same world, but the storylines take place in vastly different times. And because sure. a lot of these characters are robots, they have not aged, so they are there. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> so, but the 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 robots um, have not aged, so they're interacting with younger and older versions of the same people, and you don't realize that until later. Mm. And so, like, not gonna watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh man i you know as if it wasn't already Boom. hard enough <laughs> you're yeah. dead so <laughs> so <laughs> so it's called robocop but really what is what's the premise <laughs> <laughs> you're dead so um <laughs> but back to the witcher back to the witcher so yeah. um when i picked up on and then again i wasn't i wasn't smart enough to realize this on my own but when i you know went and did a little bit of reading about it and realizing like, oh, okay, these are taking place at different time frames, and there's presumably, although I won't know this in full fruition until I reach, you know, episode five, six, or whatever, until they start to converge, um, but presumably these plot lines are all sort of laying the groundwork, both for the world that they're in and the characters that they are. So what I know as of right now is Henry Cavill is like a mutated person who um, hunts monsters. That's what he does. And um, he's navigating this world most often for hire. That's his vocation, um, as well as sort of his life's purpose is to hunt down and kill monsters. He has a name, Reed. What's his name? Geralt. But um, of B- Rivia. There you oh, go. Oh, I didn't even look it up. You learned stuff. Oh, yeah, look at you. You're d- wow, oh, you're a witcher. Oh, you're dead. So um, <laughs> so uh, anyway um. He wanders about and kills monsters. Simultaneous to this, there is um, a kingdom, uh, Centra. Is that it? Centra? Sure. sure. Don't look it up. No, just roll just, with it. Roll with, uh, Centra, but if we it's wrong. Multiple episodes. We'll catch ourselves we'll between catch ourselves episodes. Okay, so I think it's Centra. But, um, so, but there's this kingdom that has fallen to these invading forces. And in the process of that... Uh, the king and queen, who were the grandparents, although they were still quite young, but yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but the the king and queen were the grandparents of this young child, and uh, the king falls in What's battle. Syria, Cyrilla, I thought Cyrilla, yeah. Cyrilla Cuthbert. No, um, so wow, wow, <laughs> that's an Anna Green Gables. So, um, but I think, but they call her something else. Siri, yeah, Siri, they call her they Siri. Call her Siri. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, but so she is obviously like heir to the throne, though it was not supposed to be this quickly upon them that she would be eminent to claiming the kingdom. And so it's fo- Centra. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm right she's about the, the kingdom. The lion cub of Centra. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, 
but the kingdom has fallen to the invading forces, and that is a name. It starts with an N, but I can't remember what that is. The Nifgardians. I already Nifgardians. said that, man. Okay. Look, Come on. Keep up. Listen. <laughs> listen. So, um, <laughs> you choked on Sogabor. I gave you Bingo. that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, so the, the, the plot lines are kind of revolving around the adventures of Geralt and Ciri as she's sort of escaped the invading forces with her life and has wandered into the woods. The end of the first episode, somebody, uh, a character that I honestly thought was going to play a bigger role, but dies at the end of the first episode, um, Renfrey, um, Pro- uh, prophesied, I guess you would call it, or like s- spoke to Geralt that his destiny was with the girl in the woods, which I have to presume is Siri. And so, um, what I don't know, because I'm only two episodes in, the plot line around the Renfrey told Superman that Renfrey told because Superman that his destiny was with the girl in the woods. Grandma tells Siri, yes. "Find Geralt. He is your destiny." Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So that's how the message got to Siri. Renfrey said it to oh. Geralt, and so... Yeah, I thought, I was like, okay, the love interest or something, she's going to be a supporting player. <laughs> nope, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the surrogate tagline throughout this entire thing, every time somebody stumbles. So, but um, I think, I don't know this because I in my extra reading, I did not find out anything about, like, spoilers for future episodes, but what I... What I presume, because the plot line feels terribly unresolved, is the um, the the half elf girl who has like the twisted spine, Yennefer. Right. I think is. Um, mm-hmm. I I presume that we will see more of that. I thought the Renfrey character was going to be like an ongoing sort of threaded mm-hmm. plot line, and then it just sort of resolved. Of course, Segabor shows up in the second episode as like a uh, he's a, an influencer of that Istrid character that is. Um, uh, so Segabor is hiring Istrid to spy on. <laughs> no, no, no! Write this down. <laughs> Segabor is has commissioned. Hold on, I got my chart. Yeah, I got my chart right here. So, yeah, <laughs> he's. But I think Segabor has um, commissioned. Uh, I think his name is Istrid. Oh my god, this is so intimidating. Um, is Istrid the the other magician guy that Yennefer yes. encounters yeah, in the yeah, portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think I think Who his, is Segabor? Who is the old wizard in the first episode? Is that uh, Segabor? And you know what? I said Segabor. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. It's Stregabor. Um <laughs> <laughs> so different. Strego no no. Wow. Strego no more. Um my God, I'm trying to find the name of Jacob that. is so pissed at us. He's no, he's he's wrong. I know, I'm kidding. Oh, no. I know. Um, gosh, it is frustrating me that I cannot find the name of of it's that okay, character. Just go but with it. Anyway, we're, I think it's Istrid, but anyway, we're in it. Um, so, but Stregabor commissioned him to spy on Yennefer. Meanwhile, the witch who took her in for four marks, the the for four marks, she commissioned Yennefer to spy on Istrid. So there's a little bit of like gamesmanship happening Entry. there. Yes, cat and mouse, if you will. And um, and that felt unresolved, so I have a feeling that we're going to see more of that plot line. Again, I thought Renfrey was going to be like this this person, and then just... She gone. She gets taken out at the end well, of the episode. Well, she was a episode. person, Reed. Wow. I'm tired. Now, did I miss something? Because why did she say... <laughs> these, these TV guys are just going to be me like now... Why did this happen, Reed? <laughs> Will you explain what? Why that happened? Did this? Um, 
Who? And us guessing on names. I, I'm going to write the word and hold it up and ask you to pronounce it. And, you know. No. Um, she refers to herself as like a mutant or a yeah, a, yeah, yeah, an yeah. Outcast. She was, um, and that's something that the that the show hasn't done because I got. <laughs> I got the impression it wasn't. <sighs> hold on. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a the minute. The way you phrased Geralt as mutant was having been put upon him. I took it as just you are this half breed or some other thing. Yeah, like you yeah. Are, I mean, you I, are this like mutants in Marveldom are born that way. Well, and know? that's what I that's what I was about to say is that the show hasn't really very, to my understanding, by episode <laughs> <Which is> two, <laughs> limited. <laughs> Amen. Um, to my <laughs> understanding, by episode two, the show hasn't really established very much like the mutation component. Is is it thrust upon you? Are you uh, born with it? <laughs> wow. Um, are you? No, I, you know, I'm not being rude. I'm just like, but like, yeah. Does that matter to the nature of the show? Or is it I mean, that? Yeah. Or is it just that they are mutated humans and therefore, you know, mutated beings, therefore, you know, gonna have some? I was born this way, baby. <laughs> wow. Wow. So anyway. I will say this because we haven't we've we've spent like you know fifteen minutes trying to sort of unpack the mechanics of it. I'll just say this: so I I can see the comparisons to Game of Thrones. I can see them, you know, from the first ten minutes of the movie. Just the world itself, the general, uh, not a movie, it's a TV show, but uh, the the tone of everything, uh, the way that uh, like Game of Thrones didn't it didn't put the cookies on the bottom shelf. It makes you work. For the information that it's giving to you, um, and so yeah, that I, I can see some of those. That's comparisons. a tall shelf. That's a this one. That's, a, that's yes. a tall shelf. Yes, I'm like oh. But I mean, oh. I got to imagine, and maybe this is something that that you know Jacob can chime in on and kind of help us with. I got to imagine for fans of the video game and series, well, it, sure. it probably yeah. feels refreshing to just be like, oh, good, they didn't waste a lot of time oh, yeah. like holding our hand on it. They just sort of thrust us into it. Um, yeah. and so Blaviken. Blaviken. Yeah. But, but, Blaviken. but I am curious, um, you know, like these, these early entries of TV guideposts as listeners will remember is just skirting the superficial until we can wind up to the, yeah. you know, to the thematic conversation. But clearly, <laughs> um, I did watch a video when I, after I'd watched the two episodes and was kind of trying to do a little bit of just screwing my head back on. Um, <laughs> I found a video of Cavill breaking down the fight scene from episode one uh it was a really cool video actually oh, wow. i don't know exactly where i found it but that was a gruesome um, fight i mean it was yeah was it is well interestingly <clears throat> so it is it's all one take mm-hmm. um but he's talking about the blocking the choreography and his sword is a half instrument like it is only half of the sword so that they could digitally put the rest of the blade in Oh, I see. So that so the choreography could all be done with minimal fear of actual harm. Um, but there was fear of actual harm. <laughs> minimal, but no. But I mean, like you said, what? it's half a blade. Oh, you mean it's just the hilt? Well, no, it's not just the hilt. But that's there's, what I'm there's, saying. Like, like if there's in, any vision of broadsword, it's, right. it's cut in half. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's big dudes. I'm like, man, the tar out of each other. I'm telling you, man, like if Henry Cavill was coming, me. well, if Henry Cavill was coming at oh, me, he's a with, that's the thing is like, if he was coming at me with that sword and he's like into it, that's a good looking man though. I'm, I'll be like, oh my God, like he's about to, st- yeah. he's, he's about to, you, yeah. You Superman? 
Or you grow. Oh my god. Well, both of well, you know. Either way, you might kill that's me. That's right. Like that seems to be the the common theme in Henry Cavill's work. But I'm just like, yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm, but, that was good. But anyway, yes. Did you see him in Mission Impossible? That was good. That was a good movie. That was a really. Good that was a good movie. movie. Yeah. Henry Cavill's Henry Cavill doesn't get he's enough good. love. He's I good. like him. Yeah. He's he gets a lot of love. Okay. That's. I mean. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Look at the man. Damn. How can you not love that? Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's true. He's a handsome guy. Women want him. Men want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Okay. So we will be continuing this journey, which will probably be some version of Reed and Nathan trying desperately to figure out exactly, you know, what, uh, what the Witcher is all about. But that brings us. Can you, can you, egg, can you out, out, well, go with about the to, song? Uh, with the song? Yeah. No, I don't remember. The, I, saw the, I saw the episode put a, once. Put a penny in your Witcher or whatever it's called. <laughs> penny for the Witcher. Put a penny in your Witcher. <laughs> what in the world did you just say? to <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that concludes another ridiculous episode of TV Guideposts. Woo. Pennies and Witchers and Balaclavians of Stregobor. Mm, wow. <laughs> it's making me hungry. <laughs> Tune in next time. All right. Tune in next you're, time. For t- you're dead. <laughs> Tune in next time for TV Capos. Do it. <laughs> Episode? Are we doing three and four next? It's three and four know. next time. Okay. It's three and four. It's, next I mean, and we may need to just take them one at a time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is intense. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So wow. Yes, well, well, yes. I don't three know. But at the end of all of this, I will be like a Witcher fan. I don't know, but. This is a hell of a lot of fun. It's, so thank you, Jacob, for yes. your submission. Absolutely. Absolutely. Woohoo. Okay. So, yes, three and four next time. And that brings us to, uh, to Robocop, <sighs> to Robocop. But as we, as we typically do, um, this was another what scares us entry, uh, in this long yeah, running, I need a minute. yeah, in this long running series. So, um, we, as we have been prone to do, we are inviting the, once we've selected the entries, we reach out to the individual and see if they'd like to give us a recording, sharing their thoughts on that. And this was given to us, um, by friend of the fog and, uh, real life friend of Nathan, uh, Chase Island. And so, uh, he of the, uh, Island family classic, what you watching hit, uh, on all the, you know, hit all the pop charts. Um, so Chase was kind enough to share his thoughts on uh, this film specifically and why he submitted it as an entry. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Chase. This is Chase Island, and this is my What Scares Us for RoboCop. I saw RoboCop at about age eight, and there were three specifically horrific scenes that were forever seared into my brain. The first one is when Ed 209 riddles a man with bullets in the boardroom, and the man falls to his death <laughs> with what I realize now is some not so great stop motion animation. The second one is when the hero Alex Murphy is eviscerated with bullets by Clarence Boddicker and his gang. I really got to an eight year old me (laughs) as you would expect. And the third one is when one of Clarence Boddicker's thugs is hit with uh, some toxic material near the end of the movie and then hit with a car and also eviscerated while uh, Robocop's not necessarily a horror movie, uh, 
Paul Verhoeven has some horror tendencies, and it's definitely not appropriate for an eight-year-old to see. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Chase Island, for that offering about RoboCop. The what? <laughs> 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 The title of the movie that's so impenetrable. Um, Riri, Robocop, Peter Weller. Are you are you um, looking for an inroad? Are you are you are you searching? Sure, you searching, got something? searching for an inroad. Well, okay, so I have two personal stories. Um, Tell me. So, uh, I like just just to share or about the movie. No, like, no, just things are on my mind, and I just figured now is <laughs> yeah. now is appropriate. I mean, now's sure, why not? You know. You know. Um, <clears throat> So no, so in, in all sincerity, so two two stories, uh, if you will, about um, RoboCop. The first one is super simple. It's just to say, and this would maybe be for a likes dislikes, but I love this score. I love it, and I own the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that's the Terminator. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy! Lord have mercy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my man said heavens to betsy so um oh. i yeah it is not the terminator that was not that was not the score That's true interestingly enough though they did use the terminator theme in the trailer mm-hmm. and yeah. uh i was dropping some yeah some knowledge there oh where meta. were you some meta meta cop <laughs> meta robo so um but I love this soundtrack, and I was listening to the soundtrack one time while my son and I were driving around. I forget what errand we were running or something, but we were driving around. My son loves this score to the degree that sometimes he will get in the car and ask me, will you play? Like, Daddy, can we watch that scene? Wow. No. When, they, no. when no. Murphy no. <laughs> shuffles no. off this mortal coil? No. It, no, that's not. No. Um, Please, Daddy. But he, will, <laughs> he, he loves, the, he loves that, uh, that score, as I do. I mean, it's, it's uh, Basil, Basil Paladoris. I don't know that I'm saying his last name correctly, but he's a, a, an outstanding composer, and I just I love this. I listen to this theme sometimes just as entertaining music because I love it. Um, <laughs> that was my first story. The second story is... I like it. Um, the, I'm glad. The, I have... This is such a weird thing for me to remember so distinctly, but I can remember going to the video store when I was like seven years old. Uh, maybe, maybe eight, seven or eight. And going into the video store and, uh, we were there to, you know, I, I, I had permission to rent something and I was not really allowed to watch rated R movies, but there was some concerns of like, you know, content things. And as listeners know by now, like I was, I was seeing plenty of horror things that weren't really for age appropriate for six, seven and eight. Um, but I have this weird memory of walking up and I was with my father in the video store walking up and saying like, Hey, Robocop. Cause it had come out and it was one of the new releases. And I was like, Robocop, is this uh is this a good movie? And the, the clerk at the store loved it, loved the movie. So he's very like, Oh man, Robocop's awesome. He's talking to an eight-year-old kid. Oh, man. Robocop's amazing. Movie store folk. It's awesome, right? So then we proceed to start to check out Robocop, and then my dad, being the responsible and diligent father that he is, uh, steps forward and is like, is there a lot of bad language or anything in it? And the look on the guy's face as he now looks up at the parent of the eight-year-old boy is what stands out in my memory, because he looks up, he's like, oh, yeah, like... Oh yeah, sorry kid. <laughs> and he's and he's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of 
violence. There's a lot of uh, bad language. Oh, yes. And so I it was. But you were like, I'll rent that for a dollar. <laughs> I'll rent that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Oh so. Um, but I don't know why that memory stays out for me. But RoboCop. I saw it, you know, a few years later and probably saw it on TV for the first time uh, that I watched it because I think it was a while later before I finally saw it unedited. Um, but RoboCop is one of those few films that sort of stands as it was it was the unobtainable. It was like, OK, this guy had a very strong reaction. This is what I registered in my eight year old mind. This guy had a very strong reaction of affection to RoboCop. And the content prohibits me from seeing it. So for years, it Thus. sat in my mind as like this. Yeah. It's this is going to be a big deal when I finally watch this. Movie. Yeah. And so the first couple of times I watched it, I would have said like, yeah, I like you know, it's RoboCop. I like, it. of course, I like RoboCop. Who doesn't like RoboCop? But I don't. Perhaps this conversation will eliminate it for me. But in the in the recent years, RoboCop has catapulted in esteem in my mind like it is i love this film and in many many ways i think this film gets does not always get the credit that i think it deserves i think sometimes it gets this credit but i don't think it always gets the credit it deserves necessarily for like its cleverness um its satirical prowess it's uh it's sharpness in terms of it's just its technical construction um i think it is a really really outstanding film um, and I think it would be really easy to write it off as just like, you know, an 80s action sci-fi thriller when I think it actually is is far more noteworthy and laudable than that. Um, but that is my relationship with with RoboCop. What's what 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 is your history and or opinion of RoboCop? Well, I have a fuzzy yet distinct fuzzy memory, yet distinct mental image of some version of RoboCop video game. I can't remember mm. if this was an NES game or like an arcade game. I don't know. So I was, as a chap, uh, at the bowling alley. I bowled a lot. Did you? And they had, yeah, I did. Mm. <clears throat> Still enjoy the game. I'm a demolition guy. I just like throwing heavy yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. quite understand that affirmation <laughs> there, but sure. You love throwing things um, down the lane and just being like, you I really do. Dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Seven ten split. You're dead. Um, but they'd always have arcade games and stuff. So, mm. so wh why even bother throwing that in there is just this video game knowledge I have and, and these fuzzy memories of being present and, and, the Diamond Gems arcade at the Peachtree Mall in Columbus, Georgia. Aww. Shout out Diamond Gems. So, I, but I, I really can't remember if that was a uh, an arcade game or an NES game. Um, I don't think I had seen the film until at least into my twenties because I had seen it before this. But this is probably the second time I've seen it. Um, I. I can acknowledge and register what you are describing in your affection. Mm. They don't quite push me over into that to share that affection. Um, in other words, um, I do recognize it uh, as more than just loud, noisy action thriller. 
um i mean it, it it's pretty on its on its face with its satire yeah, and it's right kind of cutting tone that said and maybe maybe this will reveal itself too maybe i just haven't sat with it long enough or you know just a, a couple of viewings in it's not quite registering for me I'm not 100% sure the movie coalesces all of that stuff hmm. into a coherent picture. Um but I, I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't. Right, I'm simply right. saying you, in my current apprehension of it, I'm not quite there. So, uh I like it. Yeah. I like you, it. You like it? You enjoy it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I I I this particular viewing, for whatever reason, by the end of it, it just felt loud mm, and and mm, and mm. and um like a lot. But that's what I'm saying is I can also acknowledge some of that loudness serves a particular function, not just to be loud. Sure. Yeah. 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 For instance, we're not doing a watcha. Yeah. But I watched more. I watched the new Mortal Kombat, and you watch that, and you're like. Test your might. Um. Oh, that's great. That was that was fun. That was good. <laughs> but you know, like there is zero function for the level of gore and intention and and intentional evisceration and viscera that you see in that movie beyond mm. gore, viscera, yeah. and violence. Yeah. Sure. Right. 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 Robocop. You're like, okay, it's loud. There's a lot going on. Lots of shooting. Yeah. Lots of just limbs. Yeah. Just hitting the ground or bursting. Mm-hmm. But I know there's something here. <laughs> well, that's a, <laughs> You ain't. Yeah. Cause I, well, because I, I, I think that's the thing is like you could, you could make a case that it's like, okay, well, why all this, this gratuitous ultra violence? But then it's like, I think it would be very difficult to objectively assess robocop and not acknowledge like it's a it's a dauntingly smart film and that seems to counterpoint some of like what you're talking about because you can you can approach it and it feels bombastic and it feels in many ways almost like violent like gornography level of like violence like just some some of the violence it's not as if it's pervasive throughout the movie but when it comes they like oh, relish yeah. in it and and to that end, it's like, yeah. Did you, you catch? I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Did you catch? They had to like to get an R rating mm. was work. Yes. To the point, I was reading a story about this today. This is really funny. They didn't film Murphy's death right initially, right, 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 right and right. went to submit it, claiming we're out of money, uh, but wanted to get what they had sure. passed. Yes, the MPAA, and then. Because they liked it so much, they they gave them more money and they shot yeah. What's then in they, there? Then but they that scene, they had scene. to mm-hmm. do multiple different iterations. Of. Yeah, right. I had I had heard about that, and I think that 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 would be an easy way for people to kind of write off the film and be like, oh, it's just. Now I'm not saying you did this, but it would be really easy for people to say like, it's just loud and it's just gory and that just doesn't make any sense. But there's there's just so much, um, again, technical prowess. And there's so much intentionality and some cleverness under it. I will say this, and this is pivoting a little bit to where I was going to go, like, thematically speaking. But I am struck by how 
human the film is. I'll say it this way, and I'm not the first person to make this observation, but action films in the 80s typically featured a human being who was trying very hard to be ultra-stoic and unfazed by whatever was going on in the in the world around them. You know, they're just, they come in, there's gunfire blasting all over the place, and they are just the rock, you know, the, not Dwayne Johnson the rock, but they're just like, they're just a metronome. They're just- Alcatraz. In, yeah, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, sure, maybe that. But they are just a, a, you know, a firm sort of catalyst through this, which is why, like, an action film like Die Hard- is so unconventional because Bruce Willis is not that type of character. But there were plenty of action films that uh, where the the action hero is just a stoic, almost robotic character. What strikes me about RoboCop, and some of it is in Weller's performance, but I RoboCop is one of the most human characters in this entire film, and he's he's a robot, he's a machine, and I mean post um, his death. Well, like, he's part. Man. Part machine. Mall Mall cop. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying, sincerely, is is that, like, his humanity, to me, rings through in nearly every scene he's in, which I find incredibly striking, given the fact that he's a robot. And, you know, with little, little things that Weller does, like with just the tilt of his head... Or with the way his posture shifts when he either, you know, sees something or hears something that echoes back to who he used to be. And that rings through despite the almost complete body coverage in robotics and metal that he's he's trying to act through. And I just find that tremendously remarkable. Um, so anyway, I don't. Yeah. Can I can I give you some credit? Of course, or the movie, yeah. some credit, yeah, 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 your sure. fandom of it, yeah, th- uh, thusly. Um, I think that now, you know, I haven't seen every single 80s action movie, but something that you, you could almost say the movie's too on the nose with its satire, mm, uh, right. just with the intermittent commercial breaks and whatnot, but something that gives me a little more confidence. And them, uh, it's not tr- it's not true from the violence standpoint. It, you know, the violence is excessive. It's perhaps intentionally so, but it is excessive. Uh, but from a sensitivity standpoint, is, and it's a bit of scripting. It's when RoboCop saves the woman from the guys. Yes. And to me, most movies would just would just end that scene with maybe her gratitude towards him, or it's just kind of just kind of ends, moves on right. to whatever's next, right. but it doesn't, mm-hmm. it actually, that scene actually ends with RoboCop saying, you know, I don't remember the exact lines, but he ex- explicitly tells her to pursue, go into like a rape crisis yeah. center he like said, for yeah. your trauma. Yeah. He said, you've experienced a trauma. I will contact a rape crisis center. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that felt very, I noticed it. Yeah. I was like, you are trying to be conscientious mm-hmm. in your treatment of this utterly ancillary character right? by having that be the response. Now, maybe I'm applying too much weight to that line, uh, but it felt... No, okay. no, no, it's it's a sharp script. And, and, and that's why I'm so quick to say, no, I don't think you're just applying too much weight. It's a really sharp script. Um, the... Uh, 
and this was not necessarily like a scripting thing, but to the, to the same point about like it's conscientiousness, um, like, uh, well, and this speaks also to like the humanity or the tenderness. It always just strikes me so fascinating that these kids in that news expose, the kids are just like around him. They're just surrounding Mm, him because they're mm, fascinated mm. by him. And he, who, as the film has already established, could crush every bone in a man's hand with his hands, is able to stand there tenderly while these children sort of like examine him and do mm-hmm. so and and yes it follows up with that joke like any any word for the kids out of there stay out of trouble you know like it's there's there's times where it's trying to be tongue in cheek but at the same time i feel like it never really loses that sensibility of like no ro- you know robocop is it, it, yeah it's weird it's like you did not lose the man in the machine and and that's um and that, I think, is central to what the film is trying to explore in terms of the relationship between machinations and, and, and corporate sensibilities and individual personal identity. And, you know, we can certainly get into that at any time we want to. But, um, but yeah. I, will, I will give credit. I mean, I think the, the design of mm. the character Robocop is really iconic yeah oh absolutely um, absolutely it's simple I like that a lot did you, did you did you see that the glove is a foam pad it's like foam mm-hmm. hand mm-hmm. and that they had to shoot him catching the keys <laughs> yes. like 50 times like 50 takes because it kept bouncing out of his hand. i did see that i did see that that's hilarious um uh, i also loved on a, on a technical shot and i i think this was not the way it was intended i think that the director originally wanted to and i think it was Rob Botin, uh, from, uh, who did the makeup for the thing. Um, he, uh, I think it was his suggestion that Verhoeven was originally going to just cut straight to like this big snap cut to Robocop just in all of his vigor. And it was suggested to just show glimpses of Robocop in sort of more obscured ways. The very oh, first time yeah, yeah. you see him is through the TV monitor, his own, you know, yeah, like yeah. reflection. And then through the fuzzy glass on the window. Mm-hmm. And then like you see him from behind. So it's it's a while. You never get that I can remember. You never get like the big, oh, here's the moment where he stands up. It's all just obscured yeah, yeah. and all just kind of and I think it's all the more powerful for that. Um because it well, would be easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love. I, I did. I did do some reading on the technical stuff today, and I loved the note that they had to basically stop filming once the suit was finally available because Weller had he had trained with a mime for the for the body yeah, right choreography, uh, but the suit created this whole impairment of what they had rehearsed and right, practiced that right. he had to learn how to work in the suit, and that. Uh, for a number of days before they put an air conditioner inside the suit, it was so heavy and it was so hot filming. He was losing like three pounds a day just wow. shooting yeah. uh, with it on. And I don't, but yeah, I really, yeah. What? Oh, I was just going to say on that note, when people talk about this movie, I don't think Weller gets enough credit for how he handles his body in it. Cause that's him. Like that, right. that's, yeah. that's him with this affectation and you never lose it. It never in one frame of the film by my memory, feels like a a normal being in a normal foam suit it feels like a a robotic 
sort of uh, machination. Just <laughs> yeah. so wow. <laughs> okay, Reed, I got a question for you. No. Can you fly, lackey? <laughs> oh my god. No, but really, a real question. So, Reed, it's been a tough 14 months or so. Mm, sure. Uh, Christmas is on the horizon, and I want to know, do you think Nukem will be the hot board game property of the 2021 Christmas shopping season, or is that just going to be a flash in the pan? Like, it's, Nukem. It's going in, in big, or out? Nukem. No, it's a, it's a... It's a flash in the pan, man. It's it's going to be over. Flash in the pan, man. Yeah. That sounds like a really lame gonna, superhero. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up. And then oh, out. I'm here. He's out. Ah, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Oh, this is intimidating. Who is that? You know. <laughs> oh, that was flash um. in the pan, man. All the good he does showing up for the. Um, but uh, those board, that board game. Well, the, all the all the media segments. Just yeah. are 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 so ridiculous, but they still hold up so well in my mind. That whole like I I should have written down the quote, but they're saying these like, oh man, you and you broke my peace treaty or something. I for, it was this really technical yeah. kind of like political science kind of uh terminology. It's like that's it. Your foreign aid Nukem. is rejected. Nukem, you know, from Butler Brothers. You know, that's intense. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but did you notice that the the media segments? Split the film into three acts. Did you notice that? So it, I mean, it right. Wow. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, no, I didn't think. Oh, it's an act break. It's, no, it was but just it, interesting because I mean, there sense. were there were three of them, and it opens with it, and then progresses all the way up through um Rubo, through Murphy's death, and then it moves from there there's another one and then it moves all the way through robocop's kind of rise and fall uh, and then ends the the last segment is sort of what takes us through to where he's actually the rediscovering of himself where he's going to become murphy again um, so yeah read nathan i feel like we're you know for listeners, a little peek behind the curtain here. We've we've tinkered a little bit in the last few months with our formatting and and mm-hmm. and trying to roll where the spirit leads and 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 I hope I feel like to some fruitful ends. True. And I feel like there's something that's been kind of staring at us for a while. So so we've kind of dulled our more pedantic um, listing, sure, right, of, of things. But but I don't want to totally jettison all of that. Oh. You know, we occasionally will. Uh, uh, still. Oh, what did you, what did you like? I mentioned yeah. the Robocop suit a minute ago. Yeah. I feel like something that we've had staring at us for a while that I, I want to like a, like a first issue or like a significant appearance of a new comic book oh, character. Okay. You know, yes. Like, yes. Oh, yes. cite it here. So Beckley take note. Um, <laughs> instead of just a list of scares, mm. you know, we've, we've had this sort of phrase for a while. I want to institute a new. A new segment, right? It's a new segment right here. It's, it's a, a new segment. It's a, it's a new, new segment. segment. <laughs> it's a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> this segment, Reed. Uh-huh. We're just going to simply call it That Ain't Right. That Ain't Right. 
That ain't oh, right. Oh, I love it. I We're going to do it. That We're going to do that, that ain't right. right. That it's right. going to be like, instead of right. listing all the things, we're going to do that ain't right. And it's going to be your thing that that ain't right, my thing that that ain't right. Okay. I and love this. I mean, I, I got to be this. honest. Okay. I love it. There's a couple of that ain't rights in Robocop. I don't know which one you would pick as your top okay. that ain't right. Okay. But this okay. is our moment. Okay. I want right. to know what. I'm tempted to go first because I want to. Yeah, you introduced the segment. You got it. You didn't even know prep time. I did it. Yeah, you got to go first. You got to go first. Yes, thank you. You, I appreciate. You're a generous fellow. Yeah, no problem. Um, so for this very first episode, it feels because you can't just have like, you know, what's what's a what's a real weak scare and. you know, <laughs> I wrote down on us if I if we had done scares list previous to that ain't right era, uh, the line the rudimentary pace that maintains this organic system that's disgusting. But you know, is that a, that ain't right? I don't know that that quite elevates no to that ain't right. Mm-mm. Like it's just like meh, if you're just making a list of stuff that kind of is gross, sure, maybe yes. okay, but that's not a that ain't right. Yes, but this movie Paul Verhoeven Verhoeven, uh, you know. Perhaps from a similar land as Wolfgang Petersen from last week is um, <laughs> whew, man, what an episode! Oh boy, I love it. This I is great. It. So Robocop, Robocop just gifts you. It's like you know what, Nathan? <laughs> there's some there's some bullets and some traditional violence, mm-hmm. and then there's this, and I was like, damn. <laughs> check, check. So, you know, Reed, if you are ever in an abandoned, I don't know, steel mill or whatever the heck that kind oh, of facility yeah, was, yeah, 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 you need to be conscientious of <laughs> what just metal debris that you're going to cut your foot on, get tetanus. No, you would think abandoned steel mill, mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. metal on the ground, mm-hmm. cut your foot, or precarious, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, structures that you might fall off. I mean, that's, that's scary. Okay, I don't like sure. heights, really. Sure, of course, but, of course, of course. But these are endemic to an abandoned steel mill, right? What you really have to be on the lookout for, Reed, is just the giant vat barrel, yes, tub vat of toxic sludge. That you need to be mindful. So disgusting that it's there. Just know, okay. Oh my lord! I'm in an abandoned steel mill. Of all the things that could happen to me, one of those is encountering a giant vat. Because toxic we're gonna, sludge. I mean, Ugh. the point is right. not to ask. The point is not to ask why. The point <laughs> is to know that it's there. <laughs> and when your boy Emil Mm-mm. gets, because like what he melts, he just melts what? in no, front of. I mean, we're not even there yet. <laughs> I'm. I'm rewinding to the writer's room. They're like, you know what this scene needs? <laughs> it needs the toxic Avenger. Just, but bad guy. I mean, like, yes. why, how did this, I don't even know. Were they next door to the trauma offices and they overheard oh, maybe. some stuff? Maybe. Um, maybe. Did they just get a wild hair and like, this would be cool. No kidding. I tell you, when your boy gets run by the car by, I think it's Boddicker. Or no, the good guys. The good guys yeah. run him down. Yeah. And he gets sort of, you know, pinned, slammed, splashed into the sea of toxic sludge. <laughs> and you think, oh, I, hopefully we're not going to see the outcome of that. No, no. Oh, oh, oh there it no. is. You there do. it is. Oh, you there it is. You see 
just this lord of mercy excellent makeup work by that makeup artist no kidding kudos hat to robo team to yeah. that person mm -hmm. yeah or bot and maybe bot and it's so it's not that it just is on site this toxic sludge it's not just that your boy gets like run into it it's not just that he then shows up and is like misshapen and deformed Sheesh. and just just you know sloughing through the steel mill place and everybody's like what happened to this dude yes it's not just that it's that then he gets run down and what does he burst i mean he yeah, just like yeah pops yeah like a, yeah mm -hmm. like a like a 15 year old's pimple that ain't, ooh. Like, yeah yes that read that ain't right that listener that Paul Var Holven, <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. No, that that's ain't like a right. whole other movie happens inside that movie. Oh my is, gosh! You talking about not your story? Duh. That's it. <laughs> that is it. That poor guy, he's screaming for a movie, yeah. and he's like, and they're like, not your story, not man. your story, man. Nope. Oh my that ain't god, right. that ain't right. So yeah, that, that is right. my submission to the inaugural segment. I should, that ain't right. I should never let you go first because that, that ain't. Top I told of, you that ain't topable. I tried to tell you. You tried to tell me. Um. So I think there's one other scene. It's not as grotesque, but it is as wicked. Man, I would be so curious what you would what you would say. Um, what? Come on. Well, I don't know because you well, clearly what, have something. What would you say? Well, I was sitting here trying to. So the, where my mind immediately went was the the actually the first death in the film. The um the the executive. When Ed two oh nine he throws oh, down yeah, the, yeah. he throws down the gun and Ed two oh nine is still like you have ten seconds to comply and he's running around the room and everybody's like shoving they're pinballing him out of the way yeah. to where he can just finally get free to get absolutely that's Kenny to, yes Kenny and you're like uh, oh, my oh, god. oh my god they killed Kenny so <laughs> so yeah that's uh, that was gonna be what I was gonna suggest as my that oh. ain't right it was just like him just sort of like. Popping and crackling, yeah. and an extended scene like it. It cuts to him, it cuts away, it cuts uh -huh. back. He's still like popcorn. But like wait, just, there's more. There's more. Yes. So yeah. Now that's the one of him falling out the window too, right? No, that's at the end when uh, Murphy kills the main villain, and he falls out the window. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's like an old white man to be named Dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was gonna say the next that ain't right. Although that. That qualifies absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's your submission, so far for me to right. critique yeah. it. Uh, I did choose the the cream of the crop, the sludge that was, of the yeah. steel mill. Yeah. Um, that's the scene of this movie. It is. I would have said Murphy's death. I mean, that's that's so that's, graphic. Yeah. It's so yeah, well, yeah. and it starts with specifically his death is rough, but specifically when Boddicker has him pinned and is you know, sort of tormenting him with the with the gun thing. I remember, so I saw it the first time edited for television and just that shot of him pointing the gun at him and doing the whole like, nah, 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 nah. that is, oh, yeah, that yeah. is just, That's jacked yeah, up. I mean, he's, yeah, it's so, so torturous. <laughs> and then just like shows his hand and then not his hand. Oh, Lord yeah, have mercy. Was, yes. I, I think my jaw dropped. Like, oh, yeah. no. No. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty. That was no more clapping. Yeah. That was pretty graphic. You know, it's funny. They, um, well, it's not funny, but apparently Verhoeven had, had positioned or in his thought processes and his constructs, he had positioned, uh, Murphy as a something of a Christ figure and that death scene as something of a crucifixion, which I don't hmm. totally buy in other elements of the film. That ain't right. That ain't right. But. <laughs> 
but I will say like, man, that, that, and it's also, it's just, it's, it's just gruesome because he's surrounded and he's helpless and they just absolutely uh, tear him to pieces. Um, And so, yeah, it's, yeah, that ain't right. That absolutely ain't right. Can I tell you, can I mention a love? It wouldn't fit in that that ain't right segment, but I love this so much. I love that and it and the reason I made, made me think of it and remember it is is because it follows Murphy's death, so or Murphy's like getting shot up. Then he's taken in there that whole trauma team, which by the way was a real ER trauma team. I don't know if you mm-hmm. had, had stumbled upon that. I here. did. And uh, so they are you know like moving through. Okay, pads. Try to resuscitate him. Okay, that's not working. Blah blah blah. They move around through that. Well, then um, from there, screen is dark and it's like okay, call it time of death or whatever and then the very next shot is that little like electronic and for the next probably five minutes everything is from his Mm -hmm. perspective as robocop it's it's from you know him when they were platforming you know uh, installing the led screen and they had their new year's eve party and he's online for just a few minutes that whole segment i love I love it for what it does narratively. I love it for how inventive it is. And also, speaking yet again about the humanity of it, it puts us literally into the perspective of Murphy and shows him, you know, he is not a thing outside objectively to be awed at yet. He is, we we are him. He We are seeing the world as he sees it. Um, and I just, there is so much that I love about that choice and about just that whole sequence. And so I just wanted to mention it before we, cause I don't know if it'll come up in other contexts, but anyway, that was my love. Hmm. What else you got? Um, so I wrote down three lines and I have a, I have a general question. Um, but I wrote down three lines that just really stand out to me. And, and I really don't know if any of these three lines would, any of these three lines would probably be inroads to broader thematic conversation. I'm just going to mention them in a general sense of awe about the script. And then uh, maybe I, I do have a bit of a question for you that I can kind of unpack. Um, so the three lines I wrote down, uh, the first one is when, and these are not sequential to the film, but uh, perhaps in order of their resonance to me, um, the, is when he says to Lewis after she's been shot up, and mm-hmm. you know she she doesn't die. She actually is in right. is in RoboCop too. But um, but uh, she she's been shot up, and then she says to him, "I'm a mess," and he says back to her so casually, "They'll fix you. They fix everything," and. I don't know what I don't know what about it just really struck me as this you know like the 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 passivity of it as she is literally saying like she might she might be dying right there and it's like they'll fix you they fix everything and of course he's you know he gets blown away more than anybody else in the film except for maybe toxic waste guy and and <laughs> and he's and he's still here he's still around um so there was that piece the second one was actually said by Dick Jones the main villain in the movie um, where when RoboCop tries to arrest him and Directive 4 stops him and begins to try to mm-hmm. shut him down, mm-hmm. which what's a, what a gripping scene that whole thing is. But he says, you're our product, and we can't very well have our products turning against us, can we? And that, again, maybe would breath some more conversation thematically about just the ways in which 
we've said before in other contexts about like the machines and the mechanisms and the, you know, we said in channel zero about like the, 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 the devices and their pull on us. And the, again, the, the systematic machinations of things. And it made me think about these ways in which like, are we the product? Are we human beings, the product or is the product being handed to us and who's turning against who? Again, these are social media thoughts that I'm having um, about like, Anyway, it just struck out to me that line of you're our product. You're not a real cop. You're our product, and we can't very well have our products turning against us. But the biggest one and the one that would probably uh, stand out to me as the most resonant line in the film and will bleed into my my question to you is when RoboCop, after taking off his visor, and he's sitting there and he's talking, he asks Lewis what happened to his family and everything, and she says they moved away. And then he says something, God, just this line, it's tragic, but God, this line, he says, I can feel them, but I can't remember them. And yeah, on the surface, it's a, it's a functional line because it's just talking about, he has a sense of who they are, but I'm like, it made me, it rattled all these things in my mind, maybe pivoting off a little bit of like our Lake Mungo conversation a couple weeks ago, where we're talking about like Mm. who we were in high school and and the ways we see ourselves and everything like that, of all the different things that I would say I can point to, you ask me right now with a snap of my fingers, um, hey, what were you like in this season of your life? Or this? And I would probably say I can feel it more than I can remember it. And mm-hmm. that line that he says, again, struck me as so tragic, but also subtly profound of I, I can feel it, but I can't remember it and so my question to you the one that i'm wrestling with with this film is when we get buried under so many systems and mechanics of life so many machines that it gets hard to determine like where the machine ends and where we begin what will it ultimately take for us to remember who we really are and that's what i've been wrestling with as i've been as i've been processing this and I find this film, again, I I love it. Just I also, yes, I love that it makes me think and it makes me think about a lot of deep things, but I also enjoy it. Like, I, I, I just enjoy the film because I think it's clever and fun um, and also thoughtful. But this way that, like, when we get so under the rubble that you watched WandaVision, the ship of Theseus argument that he's like, oh, yeah, I loved it. you know, loved like it. where he's like, is it still the ship of Theseus? And right. and there's a way in which that would play, uh, and, and for listeners who didn't watch WandaVision, there's this argument about the ship of Theseus, that if the ship of Theseus is found, but it's in disrepair, and you steadily begin to repair it over time with new boards and restore it, if you do that fundamentally so that it is all replacement part, is it still the ship of Theseus? That's the, the um, well, argument. A vision asking another vision. Exactly, yes. They're pondering their identity. Exactly, yeah. but, the, but the point being, when we find ourselves under the weight of so many of these, what looks like normal now, and what feels normal now, that, like devices like our cell phones, it is hard for me to remember what life was like all these ways back when these things that we have so at our fingertips were not there. And in that sense, I would say, as Murphy did, I can feel it, I can't remember it. 
and right. I can feel something there, but I can't remember it. And so that's what I'm really wrestling with because one of the things I love about the movie is it's about a man who has been transformed by both trauma and and violent, you know, devastation. He's been transformed into a new, like, machine thing, and then this is about his journey. It is not accidental that the final exchange of the film is, nice shooting, son, what's your name? And he looks and says, Murphy. And then it, you know, cuts to the cuts to the title and everything. I think that's very deliberate. And I know that they had some other alternate ending planned, but ultimately the film we get is that that's what it leaves us with is it's about a man who lost everything and lost himself in the process and now has gone on this journey to find himself again. And what will it take for us amidst so many devices, machines, systems, uh, as a, as individuals, as local communities, as a nation, what will it take for us to remember who we are and speak our name as we truly are and who we truly are? And that's what that's what old Robocop <laughs> is uh, is is striking up in me. So so what I mean, what would you how would you respond to those general thoughts, feelings, question, etc.? I have pondered lately. What you just asked is massive, so I'm sure I'm gonna no, fair, fair. find my gate through it through you know my, my gate to walk through. I am vocationally in sales. I've done this for seven years, and this year in particular, more than even the even previous eras of doing this, even previous six years, if you will, I find myself more kind of enjoying what I'm doing and, and, you know, having some, um, chasing sounds like a, a, has a negative connotation to it. I don't totally mean that, but like leaning in to being a person who is in sales. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that I think 10 year ago, me might've been a little judgy of and trying to decide, well, you know, is it still the ship of Theseus? Mm-hmm. That's and that's just one plank, right, on a persona, right, 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 right. you know. Now I do think it's important. That's a very small example there. It, it, well, it's big to me, but it's small, kind of just writ large, to, to at least the all the spheres you laid out there. Um, I do think it's important to have a sense of truthfulness of self which feels like a hippie phrase, but like I can reconcile what I just said about myself because I, I, despite the leaning in that I'm sort of doing these days, I guess I don't feel like I am betraying myself in doing so. And I do think that's because your question is how do we, how do we effectively stand up Mm. under the rubble? Mm. If, if you will. Yeah. And I, now what is interesting while you were building your question, yeah, I was trying to think, okay, how the hell am I going to tackle this? <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I thought about is this, the, this is going to be weird, but the mental image that came to me was transplant you transplant me 
take us out of now ignore the notion of the sadness that would be attachment loss to the families we have. I don't mean that, but like take, take the you that lives in Southern California, like, like you not, not change your identity, Right, right. But utterly alter your social location, like utterly alter your geographical location, like put you in, you know, picture, um, Andy Dufresne yeah. out, you know, kind of fixing up his boat on the beach right, side. Right. Mm-hmm. Live in that scenario as the you you are for 10 years. Yeah. And like, there's, there is a thread that, that carries you through there. And the, and the you 10 years later in that scenario would look back at the you right now and be like, I, I liked that guy. I loved that guy. There were some things I would change about that guy. Here, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like the, the evolution, right. Right. the evolution of self that is maybe even right and healthy. Yeah. So what I was trying to say a second ago is I used to think a more static self was whole, was appropriate. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm quite there anymore. Mm. I do think, mm. I think, I do think we mature, we grow, we evolve. We, we need to be cognizant when, in my example, when, okay, well, now you've become a little drunk on the sales. Oh, okay. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, we need to be cognizant of those things. I thought about Reed. Um, one of the reasons I love the film Sound of Metal so much mm. kind of scratches at some of what you're asking. Because what's so powerful to me about that movie is as right and healthy as it seems the relationship he has to Lou is in the beginning. Mm. What you kind of learn at the end is is it was still addiction. Right, right. Now, that codependency they shared, that, if we want to call it addiction, served a function. Yeah. Which, as they say at the end, is you you saved me. Yeah. You saved my yeah. life. Right. But it's, it's um, what's his character's name? Dang it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's lost. Regardless, yeah. it's his character at the end realizing... I have changed mm, mm. new has to be present in order for health and wholeness to live. Right. So this I'm, I'm winding my way here because I don't think there's a simple answer other than centeredness, self-knowledge, the capacity to name the influences upon you. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know if I'm making any sense in in the question you've asked, but it's what's coming to me. Well, and in fairness, so first answer, yes, you are making sense. Second answer, I mean, in fairness, it's it's a huge question because it gets at the it gets at the center of who we are. You know, these things, nothing except for being a police officer comes to Murphy because of him asking for it. Nothing, absolutely nothing. He, you know, he he is just fulfilling his duty when he goes and 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 tries to arrest the individuals who um, eventually take his life, and then he doesn't ask to be, he doesn't sign up for the program. He's literally just because he's a cop who is on his deathbed. They plug him into this, you know, they make him RoboCop, and then uh, that programming. And everything, you know, he didn't ask to uh, necessarily like 
do something big or he wasn't feeling disillusioned. He was just following the money and following the 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 trail of uh, criminals, if you will, and then stumbled into the uncovering the corporate espionage type of stuff. Um, so I, I'm just wrestling with like we can so easily get and we've we've addressed this before on the show we can so easily get caught up in things that we would say were our choice that we were you know um we were choosing to spend our time doing this activity or or engaging in this thing but like to your point i started my job, the job that I'm in, you know, vocationally, you're in sales. I started the job I'm in 12 years ago, and I started it very directly when I applied for the position. They're like, "Why, you know, why do you want to work here? Where are you trying to find a job?" I said, "I'm getting married," and I and I at the time as a bachelor have like three part time jobs, and that was sustainable. But that's not sustainable when I'm going to have a family, and so I need a you know a regular job with prospects of a future. And uh, that was 12 years ago. Never prior to that time would I have ever said, oh, I'm, I'm going to enter into this field and that's going to be my, I'm in the aerospace industry and it's like, that's going to be my career. I, ne- you know, I never would have done that. And so what I'm identifying is that it's really easy to suddenly find yourself 10 years down the road and you are, uh, there are conditions in your life that, are very different from what you would have seen for yourself or from what you would have um, even maybe wished for yourself 10 years earlier. And I'm not I'm not speaking about that in a negative about my own situation. Sure. I'm just saying I never would have envisioned right. 10 years, 10 years down the road, like, oh, yeah, you're you're this this manager in this uh, corporation for the aerospace industry. I never I just never would have uh, would have seen that. And you're making Robocops. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I show up to work and I just walk around like you're dead. So, you're dead. Um, and so in that way, it can be really easy to suddenly just like embrace the condition that you're in as who you are. And it would be really, you know, like the one, the one thing that the second film, and it just does nothing with it. I saw the sequel and, and sure, if you like RoboCop, the sequel's fine. But there's one moment in it where they interrogate him because he's tapped back into his other identity and they interrogate him of like, you keep saying you're Murphy. What is your name? And they make him, they they talk him in in ways of that like, okay, he cannot reclaim his former life, so embrace the fact that you're not Murphy anymore. And he's like, okay, I'm RoboCop. Um, and that whole sort of dynamic of him trying to identify you know i'm murphy and murphy is not the condition of my body and it's not the condition of my limitations or whatever it is um and that whole way that we can sometimes define ourselves by our personal condition our physical condition the situation or condition of our life or the world around us i was having a real Maybe this will be a little bit uh, cleaner or more coherent to what I'm trying to say. I was having a real heart-to-heart just recently uh, with my wife just about a couple of things and talking about things at you know this, this midpoint of our lives where you start wrestling with that question of like, okay, well, what 
will provide for me the fulfillment that, and I'm not talking like spiritually speaking, I'm talking acti- sure. activity, uh, uh, sorry, activity, <laughs> activity, <laughs> vocationally. That sounds like a word out of the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what would provide for me fulfillment, satisfaction, direction, purpose? Is it, sure. is it actually the substance of what I'm doing? Spending my time doing X, spending my time doing Y. Uh, uh, th- there's not a tremendous amount of personal fulfillment in saying uh, I am a manager for an aerospace company. That is just my mo- that is just my vocation. That sure. is that is the role that I fulfill, and I I do it to the best of my ability that I can, and I try to do it well. And as the scriptures would compel me to do, I try to to do it as if I was doing it for the Lord, and and sincerely believe that. I don't say that trivially, but. You know, is that the personal fulfillment? Is that the the who I am and who I was designed to be? Uh, you know, I I don't know about that. And then you can say like, okay, well, is it finances? Is it financial position? So you you acquire a certain degree of, uh, you know, money or salary or something, so that you can then go and do the things that you really want to do. Is that the position of it, or is it that you abandon all of that for the sake of? Uh, you know, uh, an individual work like, you know, helping, um, this is so random, but just, or like helping blind people or feed the homeless or something like that. Is it, is it that kind of vocation sure. that you then enter into for that purpose and charity work or something like that? Um, and then is it, uh, maybe any of those individual ends that you embrace, not for the thing itself, but maybe somebody would be like, Hey, I, am on this career path because it provides me an avenue to provide for my family. And that is my purpose. And that is my calling. Right. And all I'm trying to wrestle down in the midst of this is that RoboCop is about a man who was literally turned into a mechanism and his struggle to reclaim his identity despite the mechanism. And that is something that resonates with me and maybe there's not much more to say about it and about the how and the why, but that's just that's a struggle that resonates profoundly with me is we are people who life will very quickly turn into a mechanism. You wake up, you go to work, you do the job, you come back or whatever, you know, rinse and repeat of the routine of day to day life. And the struggle is to reclaim the uniqueness, the 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 identity inherent dignity the inherent dignity is a great way to put that of who we are and to reclaim that and to live in that despite the mechanism he doesn't get his body back well and what's you know? interesting is um something that's just kind of coming to me as you're trying to articulate that is he gets calcified into a single singular role hmm. there is you you and i you in management, me in sales, we can still take those hats off. Right. That's true. And, yes. and, the, and we, we would at least con- hope that we would be consider, uh, be considered multifaceted in our identities. Right. Right. That right. there's, you know, um, there's Dr. Riedenstein, there's mm-hmm. read the dad, read the father. I'm sorry to read the dad, read the husband, read the worker. Like there's all these things, but what's interesting and maybe what you're 
identifying in the film is there is not an other. Right. There is simply the singular role. Mm -hmm. Um, Thus, yeah, he becomes a widget, you know, just another component piece. Uh, Yeah. And they need, and they get down with that. Yeah. And they need him to be that. He is their, he is their product. And that's the, the secret, do the sequels ever, uh, you know, multiply the RoboCop? Like that feels like a not low hanging fruit from a narrative standpoint. No, in fact, the plot of the second one begins with the notion that something about Murphy's unique characteristics are, are why it worked. It, it's a little bit the Steve Rogers Super Soldier stuff. It's like there's sure. uh, there's something about Murphy. They specifically say like he was he was. Uh, this is not he- heavily. Um, Mentioned in the first film, but uh, his character is a devout Catholic with a profound sense of duty. And they said that sort of center that that anchor in his personality made him uniquely equipped to adjust to the RoboCop dynamic because they try making other RoboCops out of. Mm, okay. a, and so they do try. Yeah, yeah but th- but they don't make them look the same. But when they try to do it, th- this is really dark. But when they try to do it, the moment they turn them online, they all kill themselves. They like oh, wow. they, they they rip themselves apart because they can't stand the the shift in what's happened to them. Um, and so anyway, but you asked. So is the just out of curiosity, is the sequel antagonist or conflict rooted in just other humans trying to control him or is it yes mechanized something or other 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 mechanized things like one thing that they try to do to solve the problem of well we can't make other cops other things is they of course this is sounds like a great idea they use uh (laughs) death row serial killers because Mm. they have this same sense of like but they're like want to try to pretend they can program that in Mm. a way that manipulates it and controls it to that end so like (laughs) the ending of the second one is basically the the abomination they've turned this killer into by mechanizing him and RoboCop has to take him out. So yeah, there's that. Um, but I feel like, and, and I know, you know, we, we, we don't have to belabor this forever. We've been talking for a little while. So I, I, I really am interested in trying to, you know, get to a place to where we can crest toward home. But I, I, I would be remiss without saying that like, there's, there's also this element to RoboCop's story that these, you know, the OCP in the film controls the cops. You know, like they, they control the narrative, they control the systems, they control the structures, and they need the cogs in the machine, the, the widgets, as you put it, to just fulfill their function. Just do what you need to do. And we've talked on this show X amount of times about algorithms and like the way that human programming is being manipulated and leveraged to fulfill the algorithm and we are in many ways the the capital that is being leveraged or used to try to you know fulfill the product's need you know like and and whether that be you know facebook or whether that be i mean if any anybody who's ever seen the show mad men understands uh the the twisted ways in which people kind of try to develop ways to manipulate people into thinking this is what they've always wanted their whole life, you know, go ahead. So you, I was content to let this, uh, (laughs) ship sail off into the distance, but you use the word algorithm and it's 
staring at me a couple times here, so we don't have to spend a ton of time here, but uh, it does feel like uh, this is a strong word. It feels a bit irresponsible to not, you know, uh, call out the elephant in the room, that of militarization of police forces, uh, bias, uh, racial bias in policing and whatnot. And um, I'm coming back to your algorithm thing here, but uh, it is interesting. So I was recently made aware. So, so what's interesting about RoboCop is this, this confluence of technology and law enforcement and, you know, with, with, unless you're just sort of ignorant, um, it's hard to miss the escalating militarization of police forces, which, um, statistically and, you know, by reveal of actual studies, you know, tend to find that militarized police units in the U S are more frequently deployed to communities with large shares of African Americans and take the militarization aspect, couple it with the technology aspect. Reed, I just listened to a podcast the other day that was just the things. And I say this like with hopefully some tenderness, but the things you and I don't have to think about are yeah many. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, lots of big tech companies, Amazon, uh, I don't think Facebook would be in this, but Google probably are innovating these AI systems mm. that are being sold to police forces and to cities and to, you know, um, municipalities and whatnot. Well, right now there's no, think like the FDA, there's no centralized regulatory system to ensure these things are working appropriately because like RoboCop, uh, there is a certitude we apply to technology. Oh, well it just, it does what it's supposed to do. You you create the computer. It's going to do the thing. Well, that is a bit of a misnomer when it is applied to algorithmic technology and machine learning because uh, I was I listened to a podcast recently interview with a woman named Joy Bullumwinney, who did a TED talk about bias in artificial intelligence, mm. and this stuff will kind of mess you up. Again, really? things you and I don't wow. have to think about because she's an MIT student or former MIT student, now you know, kind of researcher, African American, who started playing around as part of just a project for her MIT work started playing around with some of these facial recognition software and i'm cutting out a lot of stuff but the but the data is fascinating statistically speaking uh facial recognition artificial intelligence that is actively being sold to so yeah you you say ocp i say amazon mm-hmm. uh to police forces and municipal municipalities with minimal regulation attached to it uh with the assumption that it's working correctly uh misidentifies with tremendous frequency female and minority faces oh wow oh my god and it is becoming problematic Wow. Uh, the, in this interview, she cites specifically a recent news story where, uh, a black man, I think is in the Midwest, uh, is, is arrested in front of his child because cops 
uh, have identified him from facial recognition software. And he's like, I'm, I'm not who you're looking for. They arrest him. He's held for 30 hours until of course he has learned to have not been the person thereafter. Uh, but you know, so you have this marriage of law enforcement that has a strong historically checkered past being married to technology that is faulty mm. in its in the execution of what it's designed to do right and you know i know robocop is this fun kind of fantasy story about a man stuck in a machine who's also a mall cop but <laughs> but it yells to me of what we are doing with this unchecked tech. I mean, the movie is about it. It's unchecked technology. Yes. It's un untried. I mean, they, you know, assume, uh, it's veracity. Again, you assume the certitude cause it's Ed 209. Look at it. It's, but then it goes wonky or the RoboCop that fails on them. And my question to you read was <laughs> here at the, uh, end of our episode is should we defund the police? You know, that's oh a, that's my a reasonable, gosh. <laughs> And Mike dropping him out. And I'm going to follow it up with, now, now, note, now, now, you're dead. You're, you're dead. <laughs> um, wow. And, and I'm joking about that question, but I do think that should be a going concern for people of conscience. Not defund the police. I don't mean that explicitly, but I mean reform, conscientiousness, mindfulness. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll cite it in one of our, our, um, totems here at the fear of god or at least mine and i know i think you would echo you brian stevenson he has this great interview Mm. from the new yorker right after george floyd's passing and i'll 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 cut out there's a lot here so it's really worth you looking up just uh, search for the new yorker brian stevenson um he he lists all these ways uh, uh the history of law enforcement has been forced to write itself but mm. never apologized for the wrongs it did perpetrate. Um, it was always compelled by the Union Army, by international pressure, by the federal courts, and that dynamic has meant there's no more remorse or regret or consciousness of wrongdoing. The police don't think they did anything wrong over the past 50 or 60 years. And so in that respect, we've created a culture that allows our police departments to see themselves as agents of control, and that culture has to shift. And this goes beyond the dynamics of race. This is the sentence that's worth remembering. We have created a culture where police officers think of themselves as warriors, not guardians. Mm. Now, add historically racially biased law enforcement, add to it racially biased technology, and bro, that's a bad recipe. Yeah, absolutely. No, anyway, no, that's me and my soapbox. So sorry. No, (laughs) absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. And, you know, uh, what I will say about that, because, yeah, we we are in, are both interested in sort of landing the plane is I think there's also a desensitization that the film shows. Did you catch in one of the media outlets where it said there was a mistake that like leveled Santa Barbara? Like there was somebody somebody was aiming something and they aimed it wrong and it literally like fired a bunch of missiles and and leveled Santa Barbara and then this is what the newscaster said with a half smile on their face was just like and uh it said like you know 43 uh 43 dead including two former presidents 
don't even I did catch that. Don't yeah, even yeah. name them. Just move right on down the line, you know? And and so there's a desensitizing that the film is also playing into and the more we get numb whether it be to, you know, the 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 inherent that's why I say like not only mechanics but also systems that can push us into losing our sense of who we are collectively and and that desensitization can push us into a position to where like I like I said earlier like you can be mostly machine and still find your humanity in the midst of that you can be like like those action stars that I mentioned earlier you can be all human on the surface and mentally or spiritually or emotionally fed so much by the machine that you've lost complete sight of who you are and the longer that you have played into the the narrative the longer that you have played the, the longer that you have like that's why it's so important to be interrogating of the inputs that you just like the algorithm feeds you information that it thinks you're going to buy into and that it thinks you are going to be akin to and that you're going to embrace and that's what you're going to be like. So the algorithm feeds you that data so much that you will stand there and demand and, and, and sort of stand upon your, the, the insistence of your humanity all while you have been <laughs> ship of theseus into something else in your thinking and in your feeling and in your your spiritual well-being and that's what happens when all of these systems begin to whether intentionally or not begin to consort together against uh certain people groups against certain cultural dynamics and and what i'm really just trying to say is that that struggle that we all find you know i believe there's a reason well of course there was a reason but like man People talk about Jesus like he was some sort of political activist. This is reductive way to to contextualize Jesus's political presence. But in most of the ways, he was a political figure because he could not have appeared to care less about politics. Like, could not have cared less about uh, things that people were so concerned about, like, you know, overthrowing Rome or all of that kind of thing. And I think the reason for that was because if we get back in touch with our fundamental and essential humanity, we will begin to subvert the system, even if we are still operating yeah. within it. Yeah. If we yeah. get, if we re, because that's the thing, uh, what I was about to say earlier, and I, and I personally think I will wrap my thoughts up with this. Murphy doesn't get a new body, and he's never going to. He's never going to go back to being the Murphy he was pre-RoboCop. And to that end, I am not saying anarchistically, torpedo the system. Nukem. <laughs> Nukem. <laughs> I am saying you can recon there's there is hope that you can reconnect with the fundamentals of who you are, even if you find yourself to now be ninety five percent machine. That is one of the that is one of the on the surface metaphors that Robocop speaks to me about. He is ninety five percent synthetic at this point and still got back in touch with his humanity. And those of us for whom the systems 
and the mechanisms feel just too daunting to unravel, you could be 90. I, I am saying that very deliberately, like part of the hope of of what we believe as followers of Christ and as people who seek to constantly embrace our own humanity, you can be 95% machine and there's still that that grain of who you are that can shine forth in a way that can subvert the system just by its nature, just by the fact that you're you in the middle of it. Um, and that's something that I wish we could all strive for uh, even more so. That seems to be more what Christ was was interested in is the individuals within it and the in, and and recapturing the individuals uh, and reclaiming what had died in them and bringing it back to life far more so than you know what we need is a plan to overthrow the system it was it was more just no you you reconnect with who you are i see you you see me we reconnect with fundamentally who we were designed to be and then even if we are way far many iterations past that now we can still be that in the midst of the places where we are i hope that's making sense but well you're um you you done good with your ship of theseus i like that awesome awesome well you know what what can i say i i was born yesterday um so uh <laughs> um i think this is the moment for robocop to to get the fog treatment unless you have Indeed. something more to say um out no and people don't want me to no um <laughs> don't you explain it so the fog meter is our specific brand of it's it's our it's our Roger and Ebert thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, it is. We grade these films on a scale of fear and of God. How scary a thing is. How substantive a thing is. Um, I will go first on fear. Um, you know, there's a there's kind of a sliding scale in terms of what defines fearfulness or scariness in these movies. I do think it's a pretty, it's not just violent. It is like viscera level violent, right. uh, body, ho- body horror style violent. Right. Um, right. So I'll, I think I will, on that basis, coupled with Toxie the Crusader, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to land on a six. Okay. I think I'm going to land on a six. Six feels right, and I'm going to join you with it for all the same reasons that you've said. I won't belabor the point, but yeah, it's like the the, the violence is, is really strong. And um, off-putting at times, but um, yeah, but but what I would answer in addition to that is what I would balance it with, with the God factor or the substance meter. I think a lot of this film may be scratching at things that they didn't necessarily intend to scratch at, but a lot of it, they are being very deliberate. There's a lot of things just in the text of the film that you could point to and you could uh, unpack some some other either social commentary, political commentary, uh, human commentary. Uh, so I'm going to give it a nine on the God factor. Woo! Yep. Hmm. Um, I can see its energy being used to uh, 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 try to point particular directions. Um. Nonetheless, I don't know that overall for me personally, it kind of resonates sure. on the levels that it's aiming for. So I am going to uh, go with my six for the God Factor on Robocop. 
awesome. And that means that we give RoboCop a 7 out of 10 on the fog meter. I mean, that's still legit. It is. It's quite legit. Dead or it's alive, you're coming with me. It's too legit to quit, actually. Um, hey, hi. Hi, hi. Um, but now, honestly, would you recommend RoboCop? Like I'm breaking your heart to say I'm not sure that I would. Right. I don't. I don't even like actively. I. I don't. I don't dislike the movie. I just don't quite like it enough to be like, yeah, yeah, check it out. <laughs> I'm. I, but I want to apologize to you. You don't owe me anything. No, you don't. I owe you a lot. But you're you. you. Yeah, well, but you don't owe me. I know. I don't yeah. owe you this, in, but I owe you a lot. In the well, that's sweet of you to say. And likewise, but like in the context of this, no, you don't, you don't owe me an obligation. I will, it is perfectly fine for you to say, I don't know that I would recommend it. And for me then right after that to say, well, meanwhile, I highly recommend I it. I know. That's, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I am genuinely curious about the second, the, the follow-up films. Not, uh, well, not because I think they're good, but just because I do like, let me phrase it this way. I don't love the watching of RoboCop. I think it's a well-realized vision. Mm. And that I will stand with. Yeah. And I can I can respect that and appreciate it. I will say just point blank, part two is perfectly watchable. And if anybody would like, you know what? I've never seen two and three. And you're just like, I love RoboCop and would love more RoboCop in my life. Sure. Check out two. It's fine. But it's all the things that you have mentioned are somewhat off-putting for you or cause you a little bit like loud, noisy, ultra-violent without sharp, clever script, biting satire, sure. stuff like that. So just be aware of that. But And it is a film, admittedly, you were about to apologize to me, it's a film, admittedly, that a, a, my, my level of esteem for it has been recent. And not recent as in like just the last couple of weeks. I mean, like in, within the last five or six years, something about this film has captured my imagination in ways that I think I touched on in this conversation. Maybe some further, uh, uh, maybe, maybe I will take the afterthoughts for this one and maybe try to further unpack the, the, the Robocop ness <laughs> in all of that. So, um, so, uh, mine would just be, you're dead. <laughs> and that would be where it would stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. But thank you sincerely for having this, yeah. having this conversation with me. And thank you very much. It was Chase. a fun conversation. Yes. And thank you very much, Chase. For recommending RoboCop to us. So next week. And thank you, Jacob. Yes. For giving us a hell of a good time. <laughs> We're going to be going back to episodes. Yes, exactly. We're going to be going back to episodes three and four of The Witcher next week. So um, keep up to that. Also next week, we're going to be going to yet another What Scares Us entry. And we're going to be possibly having another guest. We'll see. But we're going to a film that I'm very excited for you to see. Very excited. Yeah. Very excited for you to see. Just to see how you're going to react to it. I've been waiting for this since we started the show. But next week, we are going to the space horror uh, where people, you know, find... I've seen this movie. You've seen Event Horizon? 
Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Oh my the gosh! Yes, it's. I don't know why we've never <laughs> talked about this. Well, let's talk about it next week because I've never, I've never known that you saw Event Horizon. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for yeah. us to get to Event Horizon, and we're getting to it next week. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, all that great stuff. But oh, that's cool. Well, I'm, I, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about it, especially I mean, on a it's rewatch been since the theater. But yeah. sure, yeah, that was '97. So yeah, that's been a long time. But wow. So, but yeah, next week, everybody, episodes three and four of The Witcher and. Event Horizon. Acquaint yourself with that. We will see you next week. And uh, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hello! Welcome back to your favorite podcast. I'm going to do that again. That was way too big of a hello. I was like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> hello! Hello! Hi, everybody.